Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are talking about the defensive backfield and the roadmap. Now, this is a little bit of a shorter podcast uh, because, look, the defensive backfield is in pretty good shape. So there wasn't a ton to uh, to really get into here. So uh, our apologies, this is a little shorter than normal, but uh, hey, it happens. Now listen, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you should be. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Uh, click there to get info, get signed up. You get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox. You get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns, and you can become one of our text subscribers. Uh, so again, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Hey, it's Combine Week. You want to be a Football Insider subscriber uh, when Combine Week kicks off next week. All right, here we go. Our look at the defensive backfield and the Browns offseason roadmap there. Here we go, our Friday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We are finishing up our roadmap series, and we are going to talk about, honestly, probably the most stable position on the whole team. Ashley, you have defensive backs, uh, corners, and safeties. What have you got for us? Yes, I just, let's start off by thanking you guys for giving me the easiest breakdown for our off-season roadmap series, because quite honestly, uh, there's one major point we're going to talk about, but when you think about the Browns secondary, like they really last off season was when they beefed this up, signing John Johnson, the third signing Troy Hill, drafting Greg Newsome, obviously all like big moves at the time. And you look at some of the numbers that this secondary put together. They had the top coverage grade as a team from pro football focus. They were seventh in pass defense, according to DVOA. So, or in pass defense, DVOA. So I just think like there's not a ton necessarily to talk about with moves they might have to make this offseason. But the big one is what do you do in terms of extending Denzel Ward, given the season he had um, and how much that might cost you, I think is like the biggest question mark, quite honestly, with this group. So I definitely think he established himself as the team's number one quarter. He could potentially one day be in the conversation for is he the top cornerback in the lead league as long as he kind of keeps going along and manages to stay healthy and, and keeps improving. So he tied his career high this year with three interceptions. Obviously probably the highlight of his season is that 99 yard uh, pick six that he had against the Bengals in that first matchup. So when you're looking at his market value so far, Spotrack had his value at 18.7 million per year, projecting that deal at five years 93.8 million about so it would make him the fourth highest paid corner in the league and we can go over some other numbers for guys but 
you know, I think that's about right. I personally would like to see them extend Denzel this offseason to kind of get that out of the way. I think it's one of the most important moves for this defense as a whole to make. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's top priority this offseason as opposed to bringing somebody in or drafting somebody. So these are some relatively recent extensions. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, five years, uh, $97.5 million in new money when he signed his. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, five years, $97 million. Uh, and all these guys are really about the same age as Denzel, you know, a little bit older. They've been in the league a little bit longer. Tredavious White uh, with Buffalo, four years, uh, $69 million in new money. And his yearly average is pretty high. And then, of course, Denzel Ward is going to be playing on the fifth-year option at $13.2 million. I mean, Scott, this feels like a no-brainer, right? This almost feels like the Miles Garrett extension a few years ago. It's, it's more about when, not if, right? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, he's coming off a Pro Bowl year. And beyond that, it, you have to invest in positions that can defend the pass in this league now. And you have a really good cornerback uh, who's a multiple pro bowler at this point. So yeah, as far as that goes, it's a no brainer. And um, I mean, they've already taken steps to, to make sure that they have gotten better defending the past because in 2020, they were super bad. And that's, so now you got guys like JOK on the, on their, on the field. And uh, you've already given multiple year deals to guys like Troy Hill and JJ three. Um, so yeah, I think it's a no brainer. I, it, comes down to timing maybe uh maybe it has to do with uh when they want to clear other space off the off the cap for the coming year um whatever the case is but it just seems like it's inevitable and certainly a, the right move to make and and Ashley I mean they've kind of built this the way you want to do it if you're going to have a big money guy uh, you know because now they've got Greg Newsome under contract his cap hit the highest it goes is four million dollars in 2024 and then, of course, he'd have the fifth-year option, which, like I said, for Denzel is about 13 this year. It's going to be higher for him, but that's just because the cap is going to be higher. Um, I mean, this is sort of the way you want it. You have the high-priced guy on one side, and then you've got this a really good corner on the other side on this rookie-scale contract for the next four or five years. Yeah, I mean, it just was perfect timing, I think, for them to get Greg Newsom when they did and for him to actually you know, excel as a rookie. And looking at some of his numbers and, you know, he had the second highest coverage grade, I think from PFF among all rookies with that minimum snap count added in there. Um, so it's just worked out really well. And I, you know, I think it would be better to sooner rather than later extend him as long as like Scott was saying, that's monetarily feasible um, because it just is an inevitability at this point. And he's so important to what that unit does. Um, I think there's a lot of confidence internally in that unit too. Like when I talked to Greg Newsom last week or a couple of weeks ago, you know, he mentioned that as the year went on, how different it felt playing together once they actually got to know each other, once there weren't so many guys out with injuries and they got some time together. So I think there's just a lot of optimism, even internally from those guys on the field that they can do a lot more and they already had a pretty good year this year. So I think Denzel is obviously a huge, huge key in that. And, and actually, excuse me, you mentioned uh, DVOA earlier. Uh, they actually break it down by uh, receiver. They kind of label receivers number one, number two, other, which I'm assuming is just going to be a uh, slot or, you know, third guys. But as far as covering the number one receiver, uh, the Browns were 10th in DVOA. So that's, that's Denzel Ward right there. It's, you know, it's working. <laughs> so I think you make sure you lock that guy up. Well, and I don't have the numbers in my notes in front of me too, but even like, 
when Greg Newsom did take on those top assignments, like in that first Bengals game against Chase, he got the bulk of those reps against him. And I think Chase only had like three catches for 30 yards or something and like one drop. But again, I don't have it in front of me. I did just write that story about Greg Newsom and included it in there. So it's off the off the cuff here. But I mean, he he also excelled at those top matchups. So to go along in terms of timing and having that strong, you know, rookie or now sophomore presence coupled with Denzel, you can't ask for much more. Yeah. And, you know, Scott, you mentioned defending the pass. And that was something that when Paul DePodesta went on the in-house radio show and didn't talk about the quarterback, he did talk about the passing game still. And what part of that discussion had to do with obviously surrounding the quarterback with people to be able to pass the ball, but then also being able to defend the pass on the other side. So, so it's certainly something they value. You know, as far as timing, it's all just a guessing game, but these things usually happen it kind of happens in sequence, especially with Andrew Barry. So we'll get through free agency, the draft, you know, whatever, whatever options they have to deal with, things like that. I would imagine put a pin between July and like maybe the start of the season as maybe when this could happen. I don't think this would stretch too far into the 2022 season. Well, we know that the combine week is a big week for agents and GMs to talk. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's news that that comes out of uh, the coming week. Okay, what's next, Ashley? You know, this is probably going to be the shortest part of our conversation, but I just (laughs) want to get it out of the way. I do not think that the Browns need to be active in the free agent market when it comes to their secondary at all this year, quite honestly, um, in terms of picking somebody else up. And I don't think they need to spend a valuable draft pick on taking a guy for their secondary right now. I don't think – and I – Probably, I'm assuming at this point when we do our mock drafts, I'm not going to have them drafting a safety or a corner at all in those first three rounds. Um, I know Doug's not here to talk about his latest mock draft, but I know he had, like, in theory, if if Dax Hill from Michigan were to fall into the second round, that he might be worth a pickup. And he had Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati coming to them in the third round, uh, spelled C-O-B-Y, if you are not familiar with him. But um, I just don't, I don't think they need that. Honestly, I think with how much work they did last year, there is value they need to find at other positions, whether it is defensive tackle or the an, another edge rusher, if you're, you want to go that route and develop somebody. So I think there are other defensive positions they need to look at before they would look at that secondary that early in the draft. Is, is this a domino effect of Greedy Williams? The fact, yeah, that, the I mean, fact that you kind of know you can trust him? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think you wrote something similar in your positional breakdown when you talked about the secondary that greedy is is a strong option back there at the third corner spot so I just don't think you need to be expending that capital given that so that's kind of my line of thinking I think if they do take a a defensive back um, I do agree that it wouldn't be uh, anywhere near the, the front of the draft but you're probably looking for a guy who's versatile and who can move in and out of the slot because Troy Hill um, isn't getting any younger. Uh, I think he's 30 at this point, and he did have some injury issues this past year. Um, I think that's probably just the flexibility and, and having a guy you develop it might be something that, that's attractive to them if, if the right guy's there. And I mean, we're going to get to another guy here on, on, in the defensive backfield who could serve that role as well. But um, that's the one area that I look at, and I think uh, – maybe they want to have some safeguards or, or more depth there. Yeah. And, you know, like Greg Newsom can play inside, but you don't want to like lock him in 
inside. You don't want him to be your nickel corner. You, you know, you want to have that flexibility to kind of match him up, whatever, whatever they want to do with him. They, they want to be able to do that. Um, I, I was going to ask, like, you know, we were talking corners, but could safety be in play in the draft? I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself here. So let's go yeah. ahead and move yeah. on yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to whatever you've got, you've got next. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the free agents coming up for them are MJ Stewart and Ronnie Harrison, which we have talked about on other draft podcasts. And I think I've made my opinions known on this. I would personally prioritize Stewart here. Now I couldn't find, I don't know if I just was not looking in the right place. I could not find his market value on Spotrack or PFF and what they're, what they're projecting. But in 328 snaps, he had the third highest defensive grade on the team. He had the second best coverage grade, both of those according to PFF. Um, obviously, with Ronnie Harrison, blown coverages were an issue. Penalties were an issue. He did take a step back from 2020 to 2021, and we can talk about that. But um, I just think between the two, because Grant Delpit is intriguing enough, and that's kind of like my, the last point in my offseason roadmap, we can talk about Grant a little bit more in detail. But because he's done enough, I think you can afford to let Ronnie Harrison walk, I think. Yeah, it's, you know, had we done this a year ago, I don't think there would have even been a discussion about MJ yeah. Stewart and Ronnie Harrison would have been like, oh yeah, Ronnie Harrison, bring him back. Heck, extend him. Give him like two or three more years. And obviously that discussion has sort of, it's it's just turned itself. And I, I think what what's appealing about MJ Stewart is that you can use him in multiple places. And you know, he told us that Joe Woods wanted him to learn to play safety, which he obviously did, but he doesn't have to be a safety. You can play him at nickel. You can probably, probably get away with sneaking him on the outside every now and again. It's just having a guy like that behind your top line guys in the back end is just really useful. Yeah. He, when I think of MJ Stewart, I think of Justin Burris from a couple of years ago who uh, he played like almost every game, but not a lot of snaps and he graded very well. Um, he's with Carolina now and has not played well at all. And um MJ Stewart really struggled in 2020 uh, playing in the slot. He was part of that, that trio that just, they never really found consistency there between him and Tavier Thomas and, and Kevin Johnson. Um, but it was impressive, especially over like the final, we're talking about like three weeks here of MJ Stewart where he really looked good, where he was getting a ton of snaps and he was kind of going back and forth for a lot of that between slot and, and safety. Um, I haven't broken down like where he, which position he played better at. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if I'm ready to say, all right, we can get rid of Ronnie Harris, which, which is fine, mm-hmm. but we're just totally going to count on MJ Stewart. And I do think you probably bring in some options um, to kind of compete with him because I don't know that you can really say you, I don't know if you want to base what you're going forward with on again, the, the final three or four weeks. Now they had him all year, obviously in practice and they've seen him a lot more than we have, but, um, as far as production on the field goes, that's a really small sample size, even though he did play really well. Yeah. I think like for me, it it becomes, if you have to pick between the two, MJ Stewart would be my preference, but I don't know that we know that they are going to necessarily have to do that, um, depending on how much each of them would cost. But for me, it's kind of like going back to what Dan said, MJ Stewart's versatility is what makes me, you know, along with the, it was a small sample size with the grades he got, but along with that, it's like, he, he talked about that with us when we 
got him in some of these press conferences towards the end of the year that he's always kind of prided himself on being versatile. And, you know, I think he talked about in college, he played corner, he played at nickel, but the last time he played safety was in high school, which is kind of bananas that he came in Mm -hmm. and still was able to produce for him the way he did, given all that. Another point too, he special teamer played a lot of special team snaps, even in the last half of the year was playing a lot of special team snaps. So, you know, that's an area too, where um, he, he can be helpful. So it's not like you just have a guy who's, Oh, you know, he's our third or fourth safety and our fifth corner. He, you know, he's also a pretty important special teams player, which you have to have when we're talking about secondary mm-hmm. guys. So further along in the safety position, Ashley, who's your third safety right now? That's what is so intriguing. Like, I think it would be MJ Stewart. Like, still, I think you would have, if they move, assuming they move on from Harrison, you have JJ3, and then you have Delpit, Grant Delpit starting alongside him. And an intriguing guy, given that he'll have the full offseason after dealing with the ruptured Achilles and everything we know with that. But obviously, the other guy that would still be here is Richard LeCount. And he didn't play a ton this season. And obviously we know there was that weird disciplinary thing, but he only had 76 defensive snaps this year. So talk about small sample size. And this is a guy who, who has always, I think been, you know, we've talked about him, he has the traits, but we just haven't seen it. So I guess it kind of depends on what they've seen out of him during this season. That was kind of like a a lost year for him in terms of game experience. So I think right now I'm still at MJ Stewart, just again, given everything we did see, Uh, but you do have him still there and going into, you know, this upcoming year, like what he, what he does this off season. And again, what they saw from him that we weren't able to see just because he wasn't out there on Sundays. I mean, there's a very affordable scenario where both uh, Harrison and MJ Stewart are back with the team. Um, And like we've said before, I mean, Harrison had a really solid year in 2020. Um, I mean, he hardly played at all over the second half of this past season. Um, and I know there was obviously the, the injuries and I think he was involved in COVID at some point. Um, but a lot of the damage that <laughs> that was done to this defense was done over the first half. And he was involved in so much of it, especially in the passing game. And um, I mean, if you want to turn that over to, to MJ Stewart, I guess he's your better option there uh, as far as experience goes and just being on the field and then LeCount. Um, but at the end of the day, we didn't really see as much of that three safety look as maybe we'd been led to believe we were going to see <laughs> over the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jabril Peppers is a free agent. Anybody up for a reunion? Hey. Back uh, one of the best interviews the Browns had for a while. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what you're going to get out of Richard LeCount. That, that's a tough one. Um, I'll be, I always felt like it was going to be a redshirt year for him, though, anyway. He was coming off that accident and the knee injury. And obviously, you know, you, you can't hide people in the NFL. They're going to find their way onto the field, but they did a pretty decent job of hiding Richard LeCount for the most part on special teams. And he didn't have to play too, too much. So I always kind of felt like we were going to find out more about him anyway in 2022 than we were during his rookie season, just the makeup of the roster and him coming off that weird year. Um, this was sort of a, a stash in, in a way, or at least as much as you can stash a guy in the NFL. Yeah. All right. What, what next? Do we have anything else about the defensive backfield? Do we hit everything? 
we hit everything we, unless we want to talk about Denzel more and his contract. <laughs> That's, but we hit you, you know, I just think overall, like when I was doing this, it's like they don't they don't need to do much here. I don't think. I really don't. I think they they put in all the legwork last offseason and they're in a really good place. And the biggest thing, like I said, I can't say it enough, is is when that Denzel extension comes. And if it's, you know, sooner rather than later, um, I think that's great. But, you know, like we said, we kind of have gotten a feel for Andrew Barry this year. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that I'm watching for because the personnel and otherwise, I think they're just in, in really solid shape with their main group. The Browns have to be really uh, excited about the, the job they got from some of the backups because that's Guys like A.J. Green, Greedy Williams, M.J. Stewart, that's why they ended up, a big reason why they ended up ranked so high in PFF grading and in DVOA. It's those guys came in and just performed at a really high level, even though they didn't run on the field a lot. I mean, A.J. Green was excellent when he was on the field. Greedy Williams, obviously, uh, wasn't expected to have a huge role maybe this year, um, but when he got on the field, was making plays, and like we said, M.J. Stewart um, played great uh, down the stretch. So those getting that kind of production from, from your bench and, and the guys that, uh, you know, it's all next man up, but you know, it's, you hope you don't have to go to next man up, but when you do and you get that kind of production, that's how you end up with, uh, with such a good season uh, against the past, like the Browns had. And this feels like a group that has Andrew Barry's fingerprints kind of all over it. Obviously he's not the one that drafts Denzel, but you know, he did draft Newsom. He signed JJ three, you know, whatever happens with Ronnie Harrison, he did go and trade for Ronnie Harrison for pretty much nothing. You know, it was a fifth round pick and he helped you in the year you made the playoffs and we'll, we'll see what happens there. Drafted Grant Delpit, signed Troy Hill. I mean, his fingerprints are kind of all over this secondary and he really, you know, when we talk about the pass, right. And, and analytics, that's going to be a big part of it is defending the pass. And that's Andrew Barry's fingerprints are all over that. So we'll leave with this, I guess. Is there a chance, and I know this is, you know, if we ask these guys, this is what they, they'd tell us. Is there a chance we're sitting here having this conversation next year and, and at least throwing out that this is the best secondary in the NFL? I mean, is it, is it that so. good? I, I mean, I think so. When you look at their, like I said, I mean, they already had the best coverage grade in the league, according to PFF. And I think if you give these guys just more time to be together, you give Newsom another year to develop, especially – I think there's still room for them to grow. And like I said, they were already pretty good with these main pieces. And like Scott's saying, obviously the backup production. So I think there is a, a reality in which we are sitting here in a year talking about that. Yeah. And I think you can, I know we're talking about defensive backs, but you can factor in some of the linebacker play here too, uh, for, for boosting up their, their play against the pass. Um, I mean, Anthony Walker even played well. So uh, yeah, I mean, if you're just looking at corners, I mean, that could be, could be a duo that people are talking about for, for quite a few years to come. And then, you know, Grant Delpit is young. And if they want to bring back JJ three, that's that force them right there. It's that's solid. And just, it has potential to get better. Okay. Like I said, we're going to keep this one quick uh, because this is look, this is the best part of the team, right? This is the most stable part of the team as far as position groups go. Um, so there's not a ton to get into. So, Ashley, we commend you for coming up with as much as you did, especially because you're fresh off of writing like 500 NBA all-star stories. Yeah, it's been, it's been, like I said, it, I appreciate you guys giving me this one because again, had to expend the least amount of brain power possible, basically 
extend Denzel Ward and what else can we talk about to fill at least 20 minutes? We did it. <laughs> yes, we did. We did it. All right, we'll be back. We're going to talk about the mock drafts we've been doing uh, to kick off Combine Week. And then we are going to have a bunch coming your way uh, from the NFL Combine next week in Indianapolis. So make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you're following us wherever you can follow us on Twitter, wherever. Uh, Ashley and Scott, I'll talk to you guys later.